All right. Okay, so let's learn. So let's learn. Shkayach to the sponsors, and they should be zaycha to all good things in this world and the next. Okay, so um, we're in the middle of, of uh, Parak Vav in Sefer Yeshua. So uh, last week we were learning about the story how the Jewish people begin their their conquest. They 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 break through the uh, break through the walls. The miraculously the walls collapse in the city of Yericho, and the Jewish people are able the soldiers are able to go into the city and uh, and conquer the first city of Eretz Yisrael, the city of Yericho. So okay, so we're going to continue on talking about that Indian of the conquest of Yericho for a little bit. But since it is also, uh, you know, close to Pesach, so I want to connect this a little bit to Pesach. So in Marmok number one, this is a, uh, a famous halacha from the Rambam. Most people, I mean, it might not be known that it's like from the Rambam, but it's, it is a famous halacha that, we, that we're familiar with. We know that, um, so during the times of the Beis HaMikdash, the, the focal point of the Seder was the Karim Pesach. That was the centerpiece. Everything revolved around that. Even Matzah and Mar was somewhat, somewhat secondary to the Karim Pesach. You would eat it all together. So Karim Pesach was the Eker. Nowadays we don't have the Karim Pesach, obviously. So now the centerpiece, really, of the Seder is the Matzah. That's the one thing that we still have. That's Daraisa. Mar nowadays is Midrabonam. So Matzah is the centerpiece. And so because of that, the Rambam tells us like this. Ubachreina at the end of the seder, in other words, the the, the what we call tzafon, right after shulchan aruch. So ubachreina at the end of the seder, oichel mi basar pesach. Again, by the times of the beis hamikdash, you would eat uh, kezayis of the carbon pesach. A few kezayis, even if it's just a kezayis. The ena toim achar of klal, and you can't eat anything after the carbon pesach. You have to keep the taste of the carbon pesach in your mouth. Ubizman hazeh. Nowadays, that the centerpiece is matzah, not karm pesach. So, matzah. So then at the end, we have what we call afikaimen. You eat the afikaimen, that's a matzah. And also, you don't taste anything afterwards. You have to keep the taste of matzah in your mouth. Says the Ramam, so what's this inyan that the karm pesach, the taste has to remain in your mouth? Or nowadays, matzah, the, the, it should taste, the taste should remain in your mouth. It's not uh, because of any other concern. It's an Indian that we want, uh, whatever the centerpiece of Pesach is, we want that to remain with you after the Seder is over. So by the time of the Beis Hamikdash, it was Pesach, now it's Matzah. But whatever it is, we want the taste of the Iker Indian to remain with you. Because these are the items that the Iker Mitzvah Pesach is to eat. So whatever it is, we want to keep the taste lingering in your mouth. That's the... That's the loch, and that's what everyone knows. You can't eat anything after afikaimen. Okay, you can drink water. Obviously, there's another two cups, but, but as far as food goes, we don't eat anything after afikaimen to keep the taste of matzah in your mouth. Okay. Now, obviously, on a very simple level, this is a ending of like chashivas. I don't know, like matzah is a chashivah thing, Pesach night, so we want to keep the taste going, or Pesach, the corn Pesach was a chashivah thing, keep the taste going. But, but in halach, it's a very funny thing because, like, halachically speaking, like, technically speaking, the taste of matzah, or even the taste of the Karim Pesach, is completely irrelevant. The, the halach is, for example, let's say a person swallows marah whole, and they don't taste the marah. So the Gemara says, bola marah, if, if you don't taste the marah, layas, you know, yeah, it's a why. Because marah is all about the taste. The, the, the concept is to taste the bitterness and to remember the slavery. So you have to taste it. it says the Gemara, bola matzah, let's say you swallow matzah whole and you don't taste it, you're yaitse. Why? Because it's about eating it, it's not about tasting it. So this is a pella. So Adarab, the Gemara says clearly that the taste of matzah is mamish irrelevant. So the fact that I'm holding on to the taste of matzah. I mean, halachically speaking, the taste of matzah has nothing to do with the mitzvah. Like the Ram even ended off, shachilasan hiya mitzvah. Eating it, consuming it is the mitzvah, not the taste. 
So it's like, I, I guess it's a nice, like, memory to hold on to, but like, but it's a very funny thing that the, the taste of matzah, the taste of matzah halachically is no different than the taste of a jelly bean. It, it doesn't have any halachic significance to it. Why, why would there be this Indian of holding on to it? The Indian of tam matzah, tam pesach. Okay. So it's Hashem. At the end, we'll, we'll get back to that. Okay, so let's go back to uh, Sefer Yeshua. Okay, so in Sefer Yeshua, as we, we, we saw last week, that Yeshua Benun tells the, the Jewish people, as they're about to go into the city to conquer it, that he says, you should know we're going to conquer this city, but the city is then going to be dedicated, Kaidash Lashem, it's going to be dedicated as sanctified, no one's going to be allowed to uh, live in the city, no one's going to be allowed to take any of the money, it's going to be set aside. The fact that, by the way, that uh, and it, it remained like that, Yericho remained desolate and absolutely just barren for, for, for a very long time, for hundreds of years, hundreds of years, until eventually later on, someone decided to build up the city of Yericho, and there's a whole story in Avi about this, that you know, a lot of not good things happened to his family because of it. Yericho was supposed to remain you know, a cheyram, uh, undeveloped. Why? So last week we, we saw this, uh, Rashi, in the name of Chazal, say as follows, this is what we talked about last week, is that the day that Yericho was conquered was Shabbos. And so Yeshua Nun saw that as a simon, if it's on Shabbos, and just like Shabbos is Kadesh Lashem, Yericho will be Kadesh Lashem. The truth is, in Chazal, that's one of the opinions in Chazal, but in Chazal we find three reasons why Yeshua Nun made Yericho untouchable. So Maramaka number two, it's a medrash in Bamidbar. So, so it says like this. The first, the first Pshat in the Medrash is, 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 is about Shabbos. So he says like this. Since the day that they conquered Yerichai was Shabbos. That's why Yeshua Benon made Yerichai uh, sanctified to Hashem. Omer Yeshua. Yeshua Benon said, Shabbos, Kula Kaidish Hashem. Shabbos is holy to Hashem. So, the Kol Mashinichbash Beshabbos, Ye Kaidish Hashem. So, anything we conquer on Shabbos should also be dedicated to Hashem. That's the, the first uh, Pshat in the Medrash. Amr Abrach Yahakayan. Rabrach Yahakayan says a different explanation. Kir Hanidachas I saw. That Yeshua Nun made, looked at Yericho, not, it wasn't necessarily technically halachically like this, but he treated Yericho similar to an Irnidachas. What's an Irnidachas? Sirnidachas is a city in Eretz Yisrael. It's not, it never happened, but uh, the Gemara says. But Sirnidachas technically is a city where uh, the majority of of the citizens served served the Zara with like witnesses and Hasra, the whole thing. And then the whole city has to be wiped out and destroyed and never touched again. And it's it never happened. But that's the concept of Sirnidachas. Says the says Rav so Yeshua Benun looked at Yerichai and treated Yerichai as an Yerunidachas. The first city of, that was populated by the non-Jews that was, that was conquered by us, he treated like an Yerunidachas. And Yerunidachas is, is forbidden from benefit. So that's what he did. So first shot is that he made it sanctified because it's, it's like Shabbos. And the other one, it's like an Yerunidachas. Omer Rabbi Yehuda Halevi Bar Shalom. And the third explanation of Yehuda Levi, the son of Shalom, said, that Yeshua Benun was trying to use this as a way of, of teaching something to the Jewish people. That it says, Hashem said, There's a mitzvah of separating challah, right? As you make dough, right? And so you take off a piece of challah dedicated for Hashem, you give it to the Kahanim, by the times of the Beis HaMikdash and so on. And that's called the first of your doughs. Like the little first piece that you take, that, that's going to be challah. Omer Yeshua, so Yeshua said, Hoyel the kivashnu oisetchila. So, uh, metaphorically speaking, you know, this is like the first 
of our conquests over here, the city of Yericho. So Nachdesh Hashal Gavoya, so it's going to be like Chala. I'm going to separate it just like Chala's Reishis or Reishisechem, the first of the dough. This is the first of Eretz Yisrael, so we're going to separate it for Hashem. These are the three opinions. So you have like, it's like Shabbos, it's like an Dachas, or it's like Chala. Right. Now what's interesting is, is that in Chazal, usually when you have machlekes and disagreements, the Lashen is, let's say you have a first opinion, the second opinion is so-and-so Omar, right? Uh, uh, Rabbi Shmuel says something, and then it's Rabbi Kiva Omar, Rabbi Kiva disagrees. <laughs> Whenever you have like Omar Rabbi Akiva, where the word Omar starts, it's usually its own statement and he's not coming to disagree at all. So what's interesting is in this Medrash, the three opinions... It, it, each statement is sort of on its own. They don't seem to be trying to disagree with the previous one, right? The first statement was, the first Tana held that it was because of Shabbos. And then it's Omar Abrachi Akain, not Abrachi Akain Omar, like as if he's disagreeing. It sounds like all these three opinions sort of complement each other. Right, so you have to figure this out. How do these things go together? Now, more than that, let, let's focus in a little bit on the first two. Again, the first two reasons were that uh, Yericha is being treated like Shabbos, or it's being treated like Yer Nidachas. If we think about it, those aren't just two separate reasons. Those are two opposite reasons. What do I mean? We talked about this last week. Shabbos, Shabbos is a day that brings us to that place of Gan Eden, right? Shabbos is no malacha, there's no work, there's no nothing, everything is gavaldic. Kilo kamlach chasui, as if everything's done, everything's taken care of, it's mamish, everything's perfect. The first Friday of creation, everything was terrible, right? Everything, everything went haywire, but all of a sudden the sun goes down and Hashem says, oh, the Rosh makes Kiddush, everything's Gavaldic. So Shabbos always means Gan Eden. It's always reflective of Gan Eden. That's what Shabbos is. There's a lot of connections to this. And so Yerichai being treated in place, like this is a physical place that's Shabbistic, it means that Yericha is being looked at like a shtikl ganeden. That, that, that's the first explanation. To say like Shabbos, Shabbos means Shabbos in time is ganeden, and Yericha being, being established physically as like a piece of Shabbos. It means like, that Yericha is being defined as a piece of ganeden. It's kaidash Hashem. What's in Irni Dachas? In Irni Dachas is the opposite of ganeden. What's the opposite of ganeden? Gehenim, yeah, Gehenim. Take a look at Maramokin number three. This is from a Sefer Oitzer Achaim. It's from the Kamarna Rebbe in, uh, in Sefer Dvarim. I spoke about this, I think, once about Yishal Shudas a while back. I don't remember, but I think it was Yishal Shudas. And he's talking about the Indian of the Irni Dachas. And again, we're not going to get into, into the Pratim and the details of Halacha, how this works and what this means. But the Kamarna just says the following statement. He, he, Gehenna. The, the Indian of Irni Dachas is that just as you could have, uh, just like you have Ganeidan, so there's such a thing as, as Gehenim as well. And a city that, it never happened before, but a city that's established as an Irani Dachas means that it is looked at as a place in this world that's reflective of Gehenim. And he says, That's why it's a mitzvah to destroy with the fire of Gehenim. So again, whatever that means, it's not the point for right now. But what we do find is something, what seems to be a little bit of a difficulty, which is that these two reasons that the Medrash gives, in the first two, that, that Yerichai is, is because of Shabbos, or Yerichai is because of Irni Dachas, they're not just different reasons. They're mamish opposite from each other. The, the, Gan, Eden is, is, Gan Eden and Gehenim are opposites, right? That's, those, are the, right? Those, are the two, those are the two options. So the, the, you know, those are the two opposite things. So it's not just two separate reasons. How is it possible that, and, and again, as I pointed out, in the Medrash, they're not seem, they don't seem to be disagreeing with each other. And certainly, Elo Ve'elder Lekim Chaim. So how is it possible that you can have one place of Yerichai that's both Gehenim and Gan Eden? 
So this is what we're going to now investigate. The sugya of opposites. Of opposites. This idea of, of there being opposites and the relationship that everything has with its opposite. Okay. Now the truth is, if you think about it, the union of opposites, like Gehenim and Gan Eden, uh, is very much related to Pesach. Pesach is all about opposites. We compare and contrast the Exodus with the Gullus. Right? We talk about So there's all about contrast. The question with an answer. It's all contrast. It's all contrast. So even the whole it's all about contrast. So Pesach is very much connected with this idea of opposites. Let's investigate this in the sugya of, of opposites and their relationship with each other. Opposites attract. The question is, like, how, how do they really go together? Okay, so let's begin like this. We'll go, we'll go slow. So we're going to learn a few pieces from the Maharal. By the way, it's also related to our Parsha, the, this past Parsha, Parsha Sazria. For example, Sazria begins with the mitzvah of Brismila, right? The, the baby, the baby boy is, is born, so the mitzvah to give him a bris on the eighth day. But the context that the Torah decides to tell us about the mitzvah of Brismila is in the context of Tumas Leda, is that the mother gives birth, right? And all of a sudden, she's now Tomei, uh, like she was Anida, Kilo, she was Anida, right? Now she, because of Dom Leda, because of the birth. Th- that itself is a very funny thing. Ni- Tumas Nida is all, it seems to be connected to n- the opposite of life, right? There could have been life, and there isn't. So now she's Tomei Tumas Nida. <laughs> but now there was a Mazel Tov, right? There was a, there was a birth. And, that, and, the, and, yet, and yet she's still Tomei as if she's Anida. So it's life and not life being sort of forced together. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit later on, the Pusik says, but tzaras, a guy has a little bit of tzaras, whatever the measurement is, so he becomes tummy, yeah? Then the Pusik says, but let's say the tzaras spreads, so it's even worse. But let's say it spreads to encompass his entire body, kulei hafach lovem, then what? Tar is tar. <laughs> it's Marshall. And the Gemara says, based on that Gemara, the Gemara says that when does, when does Mashiach come? Adar either Shakulai Zakai, a generation that's completely innocent, Mashiach will come for that, or Tzadikim, or Kulai Chai, a generation that's completely guilty, Mashiach will also come. Amar Rava, Rava said, What's the remiss for such a thing? That Mashiach, Gulu will come when everything is completely broken, is what? Kulai Hafach Lavantaru. It's the opposite. I mean, when the tzaras becomes so unbelievably great, and the, and everything is so terrible, that's when it's actually very good. So we have to investigate this union of opposites. Where how, how do how do we make sense of this? So we're going to learn, like I said, we're going to some maral, and uh, we'll see where it takes us. Okay, so maramok in the refor. So this is right in the beginning of, of the Maral Sefer Netzach Yisrael. The, 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 the Maral is the, the whole Sefer Netzach Yisrael of the Maral is talking about. Gula, Gula and Gullus, that's what it's all about. So this first paragraph, he sort of uh, gives us a little bit of an intro of how he's going to do it. So he says like this, Says the first basic idea, which is pretty simple, which is that to, to really know something, you have to study its opposite. To really know anything, you have to at least have experienced on some level its opposite. So he says, To really acquire knowledge about anything, you have to have knowledge or experience in its opposite. So he gives an example. To know the color white, you have to at least also know the color black. The contrast is necessary. Otherwise, you don't, you don't really know what you're looking at. You don't have any context to put it in to understand what it is. 
It's same thing with the wall opposites. By understanding one, one side of the coin, you can then understand the other side of the coin. This is a, a classic idea, says uh, the morale and philosophy. That's the sentence. Knowing anything means to know its opposite. You, you have to know its opposite. You have to know its opposite. And this is exactly why we say in the Haggadah, that you have to begin with the negative and then end with the positive. Why do you have to start with the negative? Right? Why not just say good things? Because you can't appreciate the good unless it starts with the negative. They, they contrast each other. So you need, you, need, you need to have... So in other words, what the morale is telling us is point number one, which is that in order to understand anything, there is, a, there is a very strong relationship. In other words, what the moral is telling us like this, is that there is a strong relationship between anything and its opposite. In what sense? So the first point, says the moral, is that to understand anything, you have to have experienced or know its opposite. You, you, whatever it is, you can then see its opposite. Um, so again, the examples he gave of black and white, or... Gullus versus Gula. Again, that's why that's that's the, the, then he go, then goes on to say that's what this whole sefer is. He says the Netzach Yisrael is all about Gula, but in order to appreciate Gula, you have to talk about Gullus. That's the the two sides of the coin, and that's the two sides of the coin. Now let's go a little. That's very simple. It's a pretty simple idea. Let's go a little bit, a little bit deeper. Okay, in Maramukah number five, the morale also in Netzach Yisrael and Perak Lamed Hey takes this idea a step further. Not only is it a question of knowledge, that to appreciate something or to understand something, you have to have experienced or, or know about its opposite. Says the morale, the truth is that everything, when anything comes into the world, when anything is created, it's always created with its opposite. What, what do I mean? Let's give an example. What's the opposite of an apple? It's a, it's, it sounds like a, it's, not, it's a very simple, simple answer. What's the opposite of an apple? No apple, no apple, right? No, right. That that's the opposite. The uh, every the opposite of anything is the is that thing not existing. It's not. It's not. A, yeah, that's what people say, but it's not really true. The opposite of an apple is not an orange. The opposite of an apple is an orange. The opposite of a table is not a chair. The opposite of a table is n no table, no table. Okay, which means if we think about it, 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 let's think about this for a second. Before Hashem created apples. There's no idea of an apple, and therefore there's no idea of no apple, <laughs> right? There's no idea of no apple. There's just, I never heard of such a thing. Like, there's, there's, no, there's no thought. When the Rabbani Shalom created an apple, automatically he created with that, now there's a concept of there not being an apple. That's the way it goes. So if you think about it, it's like a funny, it's a funny idea, but the concept is, is that whenever the Rabbani Shalom created anything, automatically he created that thing with the with its opposite content, opposite concept. Everything the Rebbeinu created before he created it, it wasn't even a hava. It's not like uh, you're, you're not you're not walking around other and chava. They were already after everything was created. But uh, okay, imagine whatever a human being walking around before animals were created. They're not saying you know it's Like we need a cow. Where's the cow? There's no, there's no thought of a cow. The Rebbeinu makes a cow. Now okay, now there's a cow. Now there's a concept of here's a cow. There is no cow. That, that's always the way it goes. Ex something that exists, whenever the Rabbanu brings something into existence, he's automatically bringing as well its opposite into existence, which is what? The, the lack of that, of that thing. 
The Rebbe creates the void, the emptiness. He creates a cow. Now there's a concept of there not being a cow, and now it's noticeable there's a cow here and there's no cow there. There's an apple, and now there's a concept of there not being an apple. Is this what was being revealed to you during the Makas, that what was blood for the Nitzrim was regular for, or Choshev? So we'll have to see about that. It's a good point. We have to see about that. This is very nice. As we started, it's, it's very connected to Basel, so we're going to see about that. The same thing had both. Yeah, the same thing had both. It, it's opposite. We'll see. Let's go slow. Let's go slow. So, so let's go to number five again. So now that we're also introducing us to this idea again, point number one was to understand something, there's already a relationship in terms of knowledge. To understand something, you have to have experienced its opposite. But that's already, that's already simple. Now we're going a little bit deeper. That it's not just a matter of knowledge, that to know black you have to know white, or to know white you have to know black. Now the concept is that everything the Rebunishman created is created with its opposite. Everything with its opposite really comes from the same place. It comes from the same point of creation. It says like this in Maral, Ki kol havaya, everything that exists, yuktam lo hader has to come into reality. It has to, it has to, pre, it has to be uh, pre-dedi- uh, you know, preceded by the lack of that thing. The Rabbanu Shalom creates an apple, it means that there has to be space for an apple, right? There has to be the concept of no apple, and now, now there's an apple filling that void. Everything comes into the world with its opposite. The opposite of, of what exists is, the opposite of an apple is no apple, and those things come together when Hashem created an apple. Therefore, says in Maral, there's a, a very important idea in Hashkafa, which is that everything that we experience as a lack is really just one step closer in heaven. In other words, the Rabbanishim is always giving. But sometimes, in order for the Rabbanishim to give you an apple, you have to feel hungry for an apple. So the guy's walking around, he's hungry for an apple, and he's thinking, you know, he's cursing God because he doesn't have an apple. Meanwhile, the Rabbanishim is in the process of giving you an apple. But the first step of having an apple is for you to have a desire to have an apple. There, there should be a feeling within you of no apple, and then the apple gives, and then the apple's given to you. When I say apple, by the way, I mean insert parnasa and health and shadochim and everything you want. You know, the, the, when the Rabbanu Shalom gives something, the part of that creation is always preceded by a feeling of missing that thing, making a space for it, so to speak. And then the Rabbanu Shalom fills it. So that's always a good thing. Whenever that's why in, in Ishbitza, the Meishleich always points this out. He says whenever, like sometimes it happens where there's something missing in your life, you know, but you don't really have a cheshet to daven for it. Whatever, it's just something that you're, you've made, you've, you, you know, whatever. You're just uh, not motivated to talk about the daven about. And then all of a sudden something happens, and you're motivated to daven about that thing. And then all of a sudden the the missing the the. The, 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 the opposite of the apple in your life, you, you sense and you feel and you want to daven for it. In Ishbitzer, it's taught that that's the biggest simon that the Rabbanu Shalom is in the process of giving you that apple. How do I know that the, that the apple's on, on its way down the conveyor belt? Because I'm, I'm feeling in my life that there's no apple. And that's the biggest simon that the apple's on its way. Because everything that's created is always created with its opposite. And feeling the lack of whatever it is that you want already is the beginning of getting, of, of, of experiencing that thing that you want. Because everything comes to the world with its opposite. That's the idea. Now, let, let's give an example of this. In Marmokka number six, so also the morale in, in Netzach Yisrael Paraktes, so he, said, he makes a very interesting observation. It, it, it's uh, the beginning of Meseches Krisis. 
We know the Mishnah tells us over there, there are 36 Averis that, God forbid, a Jew can commit where there's a, where there's a punishment of kares. Kares means to be cut off, whatever that means, but it means something not good, right? That's what we know. So 36 Averis where there is a punishment of kares, of a, of a disconnect between you and the Rabbanu Shalom. 36. So he says like this, Nira, kilamid vav krisis, the fact that there are 36 Averis that carry the punishment of kares, is kinegin mashamar basukah, corresponds to what we have, a concept in the Gemara Sukkah, that every generation has 36 tzaddikim that have a very, very strong, deep connection with the Rabbani Shlomo. 30, 36 tzaddikim that are connected with God, 36 averis that disconnect you from God. So says the morale, that's not just a coincidence, 36 and 36. Every, it's an amazing idea. Every, the, the neshama of the tzaddik, of one of the 36 tzaddikim that comes to the world, everything has its opposite. The neshama of that tzaddik, its opposite is one of those 36 averis that cut a neshama off from the Rabbani Shalom. They, they parallel each other. Because there's an idea of, now that there's an idea, in, in order, let's put it this way, in order for there to be a reality of connection to Hashem, then automatically there has to be with that its opposite of a lack of connection to Hashem. So when the neshama of a tzaddik comes into the world, one of the lamb of tzaddikim, it brings with it it brings with it a level of, or the, the, the potential of disconnect from Hashem. In, 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 in a more um, simplistic machshavah svarim, that's usually described as balancing Bechira, right? The neshama of a tzaddik comes, so now it's uh, a lot of holiness in the world. So in order to balance free will, to make sure things stay 50-50, so now the Rabbana Shalom will also add darkness to the world, to balance out the light of the tzaddik. Mm-hmm. But in a much deeper sense, what we're learning right now, it's not, a, it's not just Hashem balancing. That, it, it, that, that's the same thing. The, 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 the light, light of a tzaddik needs contrast. In order for light to come to the world, automatically it means that there has to be, at the same time, the, at least the concept of the opposite of light for us to be able to experience light. They all come with each other. But, but back to the example, the opposite of apple is no apple. Yeah. That wasn't coming with the idea of there being no apple. Only once there's an apple is there an idea that there can be no apple. As we, the uh, same with the, with the neshama of a tzaddik. Once there's this neshama of a tzaddik, only now is there an yeah. idea of what happens when there's a lack yeah. of that you can, you can say that also, right. At the time, it's maybe not noticeable when Hashem makes the apple, so it's poof. And now, and now I realize it's such a thing. But if you break it down, you know, philosophically speaking, first there has to be a space. For an apple, and then the Rabbanu Shalom fills that space with the apple. So it's the same thing over here, but it's the same idea. Isn't it's the same idea. So it's true. The, the, right. Yeah. So space is like that. You need room, so to speak. But he's saying, even philosophically, even even spiritually speaking, anything that's being brought to the world automatically requires. It automatically comes with its opposite. If something, whatever is existing, whatever is being brought into existence, means that now there's a concept of that being missing. Automatically. It's like by Midas, for example. So like, like the, the Mida of, of Kas. Yeah. Is the opposite of Mida of Kas a lack of Kas? Or is there another different Mida that's actually the opposite, right? So sometimes we have, with Midas, sometimes we give a term to it. We can give a term to it. There are Midas that sort of there are Midas that are somewhat opposite from each other, but it's easier to think of like either physical things or even, or, or, or even concepts where it's just the, 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 the opposite of, right. This is the idea. Now, okay, so, so far so good. Okay, so opposites are necessary for the contrast. 
And, th- and this is now a deeper level where it's not only, like the morale has a language like this very often also, where it's not only yidiyas hafachem achas, not only is in terms of knowledge, two opposites are necessary to know each other, but mitzias hafachem achas, the very concept of opposites, yeah. opposites ultimately come from the same idea. Okay. But so far, one, one second, but, but right now what we're saying is, okay, fine, so the Rebunishan wants to create an apple, it comes with now the concept of there not being an apple. But at the end of the day, even though the two, the two opposites of apple or no apple are being created at the same time, in terms of your experience, it's either one or the other, right? Either you have an apple or you don't have an apple. But now what we're going to see is that, no, on, on some deep level, and that, this is already like miraculous, you could, not only are opposites necessary for contrast, and not only are opposites coming from the same point of creation, but there is an idea of experiencing opposites at the same time, of having apple and no apple at the same time. And this is where we're going to see Pesach, where the miracles of Pesach are really crazy like that. Take a look at Marmok number 7. This is also from the Maral in Paraches. The Maral is talking about over here the Beis HaMikdash. Now the Beis HaMikdash was a very unique place where a lot of the rules <laughs> of reality sort of broke down, okay? So he says like this, Ke Hashem is echad. Hashem is one, Hashem lokein Hashem echad. Ubeisai, sheshom mishkan kvaidai, and Hashem's home, kviyachal, the Beis HaMikdash, where his presence resides, is also echad, right? If Hashem is one, then the place that he resides in is also going to be one. The echad al hakol, and the concept of Hashem's oneness is not that He's number one and everything else is two, three, four, five, six, seven. The, uh, Hashem Echad means that all opposites are brought together in that oneness. Okay? The Yichad. Af al kol, af al even on opposites. Ki shu Echad, kol hakol. In other words, what the morale is telling us in this, in, this, in this sentence, and it's part of a much larger parak over there, but the morale is telling us is that even though in Teva, in nature, okay, we could understand that, again, like I said before, when the Rabbanu Shalom creates anything, it, he's creating it with its opposite. But in terms of us receiving it, so now it's either we get the apple or we don't have the apple, you know, you can't have both at the same time. But says the no. Miraculously speaking, because the Rabbanu Shalom is Echad, and the Echad, the oneness of Hashem, means to encompass all opposites, it means that in our Avodis Hashem, in our service of the Rabbanu Shalom, it's possible to experience the opposites at the same time, the something and the and the not and and the and the not of that, the 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 the, the absence of that at the same time. This is something Ralph gives examples of in the Beis Hamikdash. So, for example, a uh, classic example in the Kaddish Hakodesh, Holy of Holies. So there was only a certain amount of space, right? And yet we know the Aaron. Like, it just, it didn't, it didn't fit. It didn't fit, right? So, Aaron is Enem and Amida. just didn't take up any space. The concept of there being, the Aaron is there, but the Aaron is not there at the same time. It's there and not there at the same time. It, it, it's this idea of, there, of, of not just something and its, and its lack conceptually being created, okay, you know, because now that I see an apple, now there's a concept of there not being an apple, but Lamaise, there's an apple. The Beis HaMikdash was a place in which it was clear that you could have something and nothing at the very same time, at the very same moment. This is what ultimately is taking place. Let's go back. Now, I'm going to explain like, what that means exactly in Avodah Hashem in a moment. But what we see going back to Yerichai, this is what's going on with Yerichai. Yerichai is both Gan Eden 
and Gehenim at the same time. Because Eretz Yisrael is the place in which the Beis HaMikdash is going to reside. And on a certain level, or Salvation talked about this also in a number of shirim, that all of Kedusha's Eretz Yisrael is really just seen as an extension of Kedusha's Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash is not just, now you have Eretz Yisrael, so the Beis HaMikdash is like, you know, headquarters of Eretz Yisrael, the, the holiest place in Eretz Yisrael. That, that's the, the nuclear power plant of Kedusha's Eretz Yisrael. It's all coming from Beis HaMikdash. And all of Kedusha's Beis HaMikdash is coming from the Kaddish HaKadshim. And all the Kaddish HaKadshim is coming from that place of the Aaron, which exists and doesn't exist at the same time. We're not, it's not just a matter of opposites for contrast. And it's not just a matter of opposites being created at the same time. They're experienced at the same time. That you could have something and the lack of that thing literally at the same time. That's what the Beis HaMikdash is. And because of that, since that's what Eretz Yisrael ultimately sort of culminates in, so therefore even from the very beginning, Yeshua Benon is establishing that direction of where Eretz Yisrael is about, where it's coming from, which is that place of absolute oneness of God, and, and Hashem's oneness, all opposites are, are able to be experienced at the same time. Not that it all comes from Him, but they're all mamish one at the same time with the Rabbani Shalom, as you see in the Kaddish HaKadshim. And therefore, Yerichai, the first city that's ultimately leading towards Beis HaMikdash, is also being given this quality of what? Of Gehenim and Gan Eden at the same time. What is Gehenim? Gehenim, see, again, we have to get rid of the, the Christian theology at our heads, you know. Gehenim is not a, Gehenim is, is the lack of Gan Eden. That's what Gehenim is. Gehenim is not a place. For example, Chazal saying the Medrash that when Mashiach comes, ultimately, whatever it is, Gan Eden is going to expand and encompass the place of Gehenim. So what does that mean? It's going to be Amit Kul Tzadikim. It's going to be so many Tzadikim. So Gan Eden is going to have to make extensions. So there's nowhere to go. Where is it going to go? So uh, it's going to extend, extend over Gehenim. That's not what Chazal is saying. What Chazal is saying is that what Gehenim is, is just not Gan Eden. Like the Rambam says, for example, the Ramban disagrees with him about this, but the Rambam writes that you want to know the greatest punishment of all is karis. You want to know what karis is? Says the Rambam, karis is not pain. You're not in pain. The neshama is not being punished like that. What's karis? Karis is the feeling that the neshama has in, in what it could have had, what it could have received, the devekas that it could have had, and it not experiencing that, that's called karis. And the Ramban says, that's not so bad. Like, okay, like, okay, so, uh, you know, but, but the, the panemius, that's a very, 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 very serious, uh, you know, punishment. Because that, that's, that, that's the opposite of attachment. What's the opposite of attachment? Pain? The opposite of, of Gan Eden is not suffering. That's a Christian idea. That in Gan Eden, angels with wings come and bring you, uh, you know, grapes and whatever it is that they do over there, right? And what's, what's in Gehenna? You have devils with pitchforks poking you. That, 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 that's, that's such a crude... That's not Yiddishkeit. Gan Eden is dveikist. Gan Eden is, is, is the light of God. Gehenna is not that. Gehenna is not that. Maybe, maybe a person can be in Gehenna in this world. Gehenna is, is, is just not Gan Eden. So this is what we're talking about. It, when, we, when, when Chazal say that when Mashiach comes, Gan Eden will encompass Gehenna, it means that there's not going to be a, 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 there's not going to be a concept anymore of not experiencing God. Everything, every, there's no idea of not Gan Eden. Everything's going to be Gan Eden. So let's go back. This is what's going on over here with the city of Yerichai. Yerichai is being established as what? Shabbos and Irani Dachas. 
Shabbos and Renitachas. Not just the contrast, but at the very same time, just like the Beis HaMikdash, just like the epicenter of the urn in the Beis HaMikdash. It, it's, it's something and it's opposite. It is Gan Eden, with also at the same time, it being not Gan Eden at the same time. And this is all coming because ultimately it's connected to the oneness of Hashem. Only Hashem is big enough for there to be two opposite things coexisting at the very same moment. Just like I gave the example of Shabbos afternoon with the Makas. You have one cup and it's both blood and water at the same time. Right? That's what Dom was. It wasn't like the, the picture books where it's like half water and half blood. It was both blood and water at the same time. A Jew drank of it, it was water. 100% water. And a Mitzri drank of it, it was 100% blood at the same time. Bard was not a piece of ice with fire in the middle. Bard was fire and ice at the same time. Right? Chayshech was light and darkness at the same time. Makas Bechayrus was life and death at the same time. The, the Biskorov talks about this. He goes through all the Makas, at least most of them, in this way, that they were noisy hafachen. They were, they were opposites. It wasn't, it wasn't just like a, a crazy trick. They were opposites at the same time, all reflective of what? How is that possible? How is that possible? The answer is, aniv malach, aniv shliach, a level of echad, of the yichad of Hashem coming down. This is, let's go back to the medrash. This is the idea of these three reasons of the medrash all coinciding together. Yerichai is like an Eden. Yerichai is like Gehenim. How could you have two opposites at the same time? The answer is, because it all comes from echad. It all comes from echad, and that's the reason of challah. Challah is what reishis arisa seichem. The first of the dough, that first piece of dough, is telling you, is reminding you of what? That all the ultimate things that you're going to make with that dough. Maybe you'll make challah, maybe you'll make uh, donuts, maybe you'll make cake, with noodles, whatever it is that you can make from this dough, you should know it all comes from one place. It all comes from the Rabbani Shalom. And the more you're connected to the ultimate root of all things, which is one, then opposites can coexist. You can have blood and water at the same time. You can have Gan Eden and Gehenim at the same time. You can have the Aaron be there and not be there at the same time. Because ultimately, it's all because refl- the more the Echad of Hashem, the more the Reishis of all things is pronounced, the more opposites can coexist. So these three reasons of the Medrash all go together. The first two reasons are telling what Yerichi was. Either it was Gan Eden and it was Gehenim. They're not disagreeing with each other. And the final reason is explaining how that's possible. And the reason why it's possible is because it's reflective of Hashem Echad. And it's all coming from, and it's all, this is the beginning of Eretz Yisrael, because Eretz Yisrael ultimately is all, is all about leading to the Beis HaMikdash, which is a place of Hashem Echad. And wherever you have Hashem Echad, the simon of how you know you're connected to Echad is if you can have opposites. What, yeah? Very good, okay. So then we're going to move into this. So in order to, now we have to move on to the next uh, section, which is not going to be as long. Avoid this Hashem. So what does this mean in Avoid this Hashem? So we've been talking about opposites, uh, apple and no apple, okay? Aaron and no Aaron, Ganeiden, Gehenim. But the two opposites that really are most relevant uh, for Avoid this Hashem is good and evil, Yetzatayvi, Yetzahara. Those are also two opposites. What we're seeing here is that what? Is that there is, a, there, there is something, there is an idea of having them at the same time. Or I'll give you another example. You know, in, in, the, the Tani talks about this. Uh, all the, uh, it's a major idea, which is, the Zara already says that, uh, okay, we have the Mishnah Zadar poster over here. So you have the, the, a Jewish heart, the Zara Kaddish says, is ha- on the right side laughing and the left side crying. That's what a Jewish heart is. 
It means the Zohar Kodesh is telling us not only is this like a cool idea that the Rabbana Shalom like does by Pesach and by the Beis HaMikdash, this is the essence of a Pnimistek Avedis Hashem, to feel connected to Hashem and, and not connected at the same time. And let, let, let's understand. We all, we all know that there is a potential in, in Yiddishkeit for a person to fall into a place of superficiality. Or, you know, as I've mentioned many times, like sort of like check boxes, you know, uh, you, got, you wake up in the morning like we did this morning and you put tefillin on, check, I put on tefillin, done, accomplished, something. And then you move on and uh, you made a bracha on food, okay, mission accomplished, check, 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 check. The, the, the goal of Yiddishkeit is not just to make sure, like the version didn't give us Yiddishkeit just to make sure that we you know, check these boxes. The purpose of, of mitzvahs is, as the word mitzvah indicates, it's tzavsa, it's to, these are, these are experiences, these are doorways, these are entrances, these are, these are experiences that are there, custom-made, to bring us into a deeper place, to a place that we don't understand ourselves. And so how, the, so then the question is, how do you interact with a mitzvah? How do you interact with Yiddishkeit in a way where, Yiddishkeit is transformed into uh, into an into into a, into a, a doorway, into an entrance, into a, uh, a a way within which you're brought to a much deeper place. The answer is by looking at Yiddishkeit in this way of it and its opposite at the same time. In, in other words, the guy's putting on tefillin. So the 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 mitzvah is tefillin. The mitzvah is to put on tefillin. And tefillin is the only, only way to be brought into that deeper place within the neshama and to the rabbanu shleilam is through this mitzvah tefillin. So you have to be able to say, I put on tefillin. You have to be able to say that. But at the same time, not to get completely lost in the body of tefillin and in the practicalities of tefillin and in the check, you know, to check the box tefillin. Because then the tefillin is not being turned into a doorway in any level it's just it's just it's just physical boxes leather boxes that you're putting on yourself because god told you to do it which is amazing and that's ultimately what you need to do but you also have to transform it into an empty space that can allow god's light into into your life through the tefillin you understand so it's this it's this this irony where what we're trying to we're what we're what we're doing with mitzvahs is really creating a space for the Rabbani Shalom into our lives. That's what mitzvahs are really for. So what we're, therefore what we're doing in concept when you do a mitzvah is that you're doing something, but you're also not doing something at the same time. You're putting on tefillin, but you're also really, really what's happening when you put on tefillin is that you're creating a space within yourself for the Rabbani Shalom to fill in, to, 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 to come into your life and to fill your life with His light. That's really what you're doing with tefillin. How do I transform the act of tefillin into an act, into, into this Indian of, of really turning, how do I turn it from an act of something to an act that's just making space within my life for God's presence? The way to do that is to put on tefillin, but at the same time, remind yourself that you have no idea what tefillin are. It's to believe that I put on tefillin, but I'm also not putting on tefillin at the same time. What tefillin are are way beyond my concept to even grasp and to even understand. And tefillin are ultimately just 
a space for the Rabbanishim to come into my life through. And so that interaction that we have with mitzvahs are these two sides. It's something and it's opposite at the same time. You have to be able, you have to put on tefillin. You have to do that physical act of putting the boxes on your arm and you have to be able to, at the end of the day, say, I did it. But in order to make sure that the tefillin are transformative and they bring you to a deeper place and they and they allow the Rabbanu into your life, you have to do them with a sense that they're also, that, 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 also with a sense that 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 what I think tefillin are are not tefillin. And what I think I'm doing, I have no idea what I'm doing. It's no different than Pesach night. Everyone has the same experience, I think, probably, if you're, if you're a sensitive person. You go through the Seder, and you sing the song, Chasal Seder Pesach, Kil Chasai, Baruch Hashem, we were able to go through the order of the, the Seder night, we did everything, mission accomplished. And you think to yourself, really, mission accomplished? I have no idea what I just did. I mamish have no idea what I just did. Kaddish, Urchatz, Karpas, Yachatz, I have no idea what I'm doing. And that's exactly the point. You have to be able to look at the Seder at the end of the day and say, oh, I, I did everything I was supposed to do, but what is it that I did? I have no idea. It's apple and no apple at the same time. I know that I'm supposed to connect myself, I'm, I'm, supposed, to be, I'm supposed to connect to Pesach, I'm supposed to be in, in, in Pesach mode. But I've, I, and, and technically speaking, that's what I'm doing. I've kept all the mitzvahs and I've done everything I'm supposed to do, but I also have no idea what I'm doing. And they, they say a story with, um, in Volazhin, for example, Pesach morning, the Beis Alevi and the Nitziv would both come to Beis Medrash Pesach morning, and the Beis Alevi was smiling ear to ear, and the Nitziv was mamish nervous. He was like, you can tell there was a heaviness. Why? Beis Alevi says, I'm smiling. You know how many mitzvahs I did? I ate matzah, dal kaisis, mar, haggadah. I did so many mitzvahs. It's gewaldic. And the Nitziv is, uh, that was the Nitziv, I'm sorry. And the Beis Alevi was all, I can't say nervous, but he was like a certain heaviness because he said, I'm not sure what I did last night. I don't know if I did the mitzvahs properly. Those two sides together, is, is tra- it transforms the Seder night into, into a doorway, into an access point to a deeper place within the Rabbanu Shalom, a deeper place within yourself. How do you transform mitzvahs into doorways, into access points? By doing them and at the same time feeling that I'm not doing them at the, at, at, at the same time. I'm doing it and not doing it. I'm putting on tefillin, but I also have no idea what I'm doing. And I know that what I think tefillin are, it's a mamish not what tefillin are. And, and, by, and by building and destroying at the same time, by having and not having at the same time, you are now being, then that experience is turning into an experience of Hashem Echad. In order to enter into that place of Hashem Echad, you have to be able to say that I did the mitzvahs, but I also, what I think the mitzvahs are, Mamish, that's not what the mitzvahs are, and 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 really, what the mitzvahs are, I have no idea what I did. You're, you're, it's it, and it's opposite at the same time. That that's the nakuda. And the, and the final marmokim, we don't have time to go through it right now, but the final marmokim talks about this. He says that in in creation itself, every single level of creation, people, animals, nations, there's always two opposing forces. There's the force of creating, of being creative, of building, and then there's the desire to destroy. People have a desire to destroy. Kids like breaking things. There's a, there's a natural tendency of wanting to destroy. Where does that come from? Says Rav Cook, in its root, they're both necessary. Because the tachlis is not just to build. The tachlis is to build doorways and build 
spaces within which God can come into our world. And the way to do that is by building, but also building with a sense of destroying at the same time. A sense of, this is a mitzvah, but I also have no idea what I just did, and it's clearly not what I think it is. So a guy, let's say for example, a guy's davening, right? A person's davening that, uh, you know, this person, the person's friend, uh, Reuven ben Shimon, whatever it is, needs a refuah shleima. So Hashem, Reuven ben Shimon needs a refuah shleima, please send him a refuah shleima. And then after davening, we say, that Hashem, the words that I just said and the thoughts of my mind, it should be like your will. Like, what, what's, so, like what's so bad with what I just said? I said that. What do I have to say? The answer is, those are the words that I have to say. I see my friend is sick, I have to daven for him. And I have to say, Hashem, please send the refuah to Reuven ben Shimon. But at the same time, I don't know who Reuven ben Shimon is. I don't know what it means that he's sick. And I don't know what it means refuah because the world that I see, the reality that I see, is only is mamish, a tip of the iceberg of what reality is. So what's the real truth? Who's Reuven ben Shimon? I have no idea. Who, what does it mean that he's sick on the deepest of levels? I have no idea. What does it mean Rufu Shlema on the deepest of levels? I have no idea. So what am I doing? I, I'm davening. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm davening for his refuah, but I'm also not davening for his refuah because I don't know what I'm saying. So, and that itself is davening. And then when you daven like that, and that's why you say, Yularatz and Hashem, I have no idea what I'm saying, but Hashem, you know what I'm saying. And then all of a sudden, the words of davening are much deeper. They're not just asking for a handout. Hashem, you know, like a parent, like a kid says, I need a candy, so I want this guy to get better. It's a noble request. But at the end of the day, in order to transform that tefillah into something that's much more pneumistic and much deeper, then it's by saying that tefillah and knowing what you're saying, and absolutely not knowing what you're saying at the same time. It's davening and feeling that at the same time, I never, I'm not davening, because I, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even know what I'm saying. And, and those two things going together, that's what transforms the moment into a much deeper experience. And th- this is what Yiddishkeit's about. It's about that th- what I'm doing is absolutely what I have to do, but I also... I, I also know that what I'm doing is much deeper than anything I could I could imagine, and therefore what I think I'm doing I'm not doing. What I think tefillin are that's not tefillin, and those two things together, putting on tefillin but knowing that this is not putting on tefillin, that's ultimately what comes together to allow me to for the tefillin to to bring me to a deeper place in the Rabbanishlam's in the uh universe. That that's that's and that's what mitzvahs are. On a, on, a, on, a, on a simpler level, let me try to explain. I'll do the best I can. When I woke up this morning, I thought this was going to be an easier idea. You know, when, when Moshe Rabbein, we're, we're about to be brought into Eretz Yisrael, right? Yericha is being conquered. It's the first city. The, the, the world of Moshe Rabbeinu, of the desert, was a world of complete elokus. It, comp- it was all ruchnias. And now what's happening when we get to Eretz Yisrael, now Yiddishkeit is becoming much more grounded and practical and real and, not real, but much more tangible. You're, 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 you're actually going to roll up your sleeves and plow the earth. And you're going to build houses and you're going to make bezdins. And it's going to be very, very tangible, very, very practical. And this is exactly what Yeshua Benun is trying to reinforce with the Jewish people, is not to get, you. at the same time, you have to roll up your sleeves and you have to do physical mitzvahs. You have to put on tefillin, you have to put up a mezuzah, you have to be able to say, I did it. You have to say, Chasal Siddur Pesach Kil Chasai, I did everything that Pesach demands. But at the same time, to remember that the Ruchnis of Meish Rabbeinu still exists. 
and to connect yourself to the Ruchnis of Moshe Rabbeinu. How so? By reminding yourself that what I think tefillin are, I ma- it's mamish not what tefillin are. And what I think I did, I mamish didn't do. And what I think, um, I, the, the fact that I think I checked off the box and mission accomplished, uh, I have no asag of what that box was. I have no asag of what it means to check the box. It's the apple and, and no apple at the same time. Tefillin and no tefillin at the same time. That Yericha, it's Ganeidin and Gehenim at the same time. That's, the, that's ushering us into a Yiddishkeit that, that, that is practical and physical and tangible and limited, but also limitless at the same time. By, by going into mitzvahs with these two components of knowing and not knowing at the same time. And let's go back to the very beginning. This is why Pesach night culminates not with just eating matzah, but holding on to the taste of matzah. It's true that the taste of matzah, the taste of Pesach, halachically is insignificant. But the taste always represents the, the unknown. It always represents the less tangible. The less tangible. The, the, the thing that you can't articulate. Like the tam is also, the taste always means, tam also means a niggin. It, 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 it's what is not being said. It's what can't be said in the words. It's words and not words at the same time. The whole Indian of Pesach is to hold on to the Tom of Matzah, is that you're doing something practical, and you can say, Taka, I ate Matzah. But to always remember that there's also a Tom of Matzah. There's, there's a Pneumius, there's a secret of Matzah. And the way to access that secret is by knowing that I ate Matzah, but also at the same time remembering, I have no idea what Matzah is, and what I think Matzah is, it's for sure not matzah. And, that, that, and, that, and putting those two sides together of laughing and crying, of closeness, not closeness, Ganeidin and Gehenim, attachment and not attachment, when you bring these things together, then Yiddishkeit is transformed. It, it's a transformative experience. It brings you into a much deeper place within yourself and a much deeper place within the Rabbani Shalom, where now you're open to secrets. You're open to a tam. You're open to, to be able to say with confidence that I am a Shemr Shabbos Yid, but I have no idea what Shabbos is. And, and that's okay. And that's okay. And that's what allows the, light, the, the unknowable side of Shabbos to make its way into my world by acknowledging that there's an unknowable side of Shabbos, that ultimately Shabbos is unknowable, even though I can say that I keep Shabbos. So it's, it, there's a reality of Shabbos that, I, that I'm keeping, and there's also the, the reality of not, of not Shabbos that I am also that I'm also cognizant of. And these two sides of the Shabbos that I'm keeping is Shabbos and it's also Bechlal, not Shabbos. Those two things is exactly what brings me to a deeper place in Yiddishkeit. No. The Rabbanu Shem Shabbos, we should be zaycha to, like we say, Chasad, Chazir Pesach, Kil Chasai, Kain, Nizka, Lasai, so we should be zaycha to be makayimit in all of its Hidr, Bishkal Tzedek, Mervi, Meinu, Amen.